This is no ordinary vineyard. Seems it's small enough that even the, the fewest number of workers is enough to maintain it. And yet it's simultaneously large enough that anybody can work there and there's work enough for everyone. There's something magical about this vineyard. Well, we can only understand the vineyard parable if we understand what happens right before this. So we'd been tracking along in Matthew's gospel and then we ch- skipped a, a, a chapter. And that chapter was the rich young man. Remember that story? Rich young man comes and bows down before Jesus, says, what do I have to do to get eternal life? Jesus says, keep the commandments. He says, I've done that. What do I still need to do? Jesus says, sell everything you have and come follow me. The man goes away sad because he had many possessions. Jesus turns to his apostles. He says, it's really hard for somebody who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then the apostles say, hey, what are we going to get? Because we've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus says, look, that's, I don't want, that's not the primary concern here. Don't worry. You who've been with me, who followed me, you're going you're gonna to reap a great, great reward, greater than you could possibly imagine. But that's not what it's about. And then he tells this parable. So the, the parable, that's, that's, that's the backdrop. And then we get these, these different categories of workers. And on first glance, we can kind of tend to think, oh, they're all, they're all kind of like the same, same, same sort of people, same situation. But I think there's actually something different going on. If we look at the responses, there's three different times that the, the, we, we hear from the, from the, 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 the landowner. The first time he goes out and he finds the workers there at dawn and he says, hey, go into, my, go into my vineyard. And it says, after agreeing with them for the usual daily wage. Second time he goes out, he says, you too, go into my vineyard and I'll give you what is just. The third time he goes out, hey, why are you still standing out here? Oh, nobody's hired us. Okay, you too, go into my vineyard. So, so again, notice, the first time, there's some haggling going on here. After agreeing with them about the usual daily wage, so he goes probably, hey, I got, I got work, vineyard, and they say, well, what are you paying? So, well, you know, we're not, we're, we're not working for anything less than the daily wage. Okay, yeah, I can, we can do that, and we want a lunch break. Okay, yeah, you know, so they're, they're haggling, they're making a transaction here. They, they probably weren't the hardest workers out there. Probably just doing the bare minimum to get their paycheck at the end of the day. The second group of people, he just says, hey, I got work for you. Go into my vineyard. I will give you what is just. What's, what's just? They don't, they don't say, well, how much is that? How, you know, they don't, there's no haggling. They, they just trust. Okay, he's going to give what's just. Third, the third group, he just says, go into my vineyard. I don't know, word has traveled around about this guy enough that like, hey, there's this guy who's just, he's hiring anybody and everybody. And all we got to do is show up. Like, he asked me to work in his vineyard. I don't even care if he's paying me. I get to go work in his vineyard. So they go work in the vineyard. Of course, the pay, pay, pay time comes and the last ones get paid first. They get a whole day's wage for working an hour. 
You get to the last ones and they're indignant. And here's the, here's the punchline, right? What, what do you feel at that? What was your reaction when everybody else got the same amount as these guys who worked the whole day long? Because if we had the same reaction as them, that we might be falling into the same, the same misconception as they are. They said, we've, we've worked all day, you've made us equal to them, why are they getting the same amount? You're throwing off the economy. Tomorrow they're gonna sleep into like three o'clock in the afternoon and they're gonna show up and you're gonna give them a full day's wage. We can't, we can't sustain this. You're throwing it off, we're hard workers. And Jesus' words to them are stark. And of course, the landowner is Jesus. And he says, friend, that's, that's it. That's what they were missing. Like, I didn't call you to be workers. I called you to be friends. I don't, I don't need work. My, my vineyard, this is a magical vineyard. I can, I can, I can do it by myself. I want friends. I want you. They're, they're not happy about this. And so Jesus says to them, scary words. He says, take what is yours and go. Well, what's yours? Nothing. There's nothing that's ours. We have nothing. They have nothing. This is the difference between heaven and hell. In hell, you get everything that's yours. The only problem is that you don't have anything. In heaven, we get everything that's God's. All the joy and bliss and happiness that's imaginable, we get that for all eternity. Because it's about friendship, not a transaction. This was the rich young man's problem. He was trying to make a transaction. Hey, what do I get if I, what do I need to do to get what I want? Jesus says, no, it's not about that. I want you to come and follow me. That's what I want. I want followers. He doesn't, he doesn't get it. It's like, what? This is, this is why Jesus says it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven because they'd made their living on transactions. They know how transactions go. I give you this, you give me that, I promise you this, you promise me that. If I'm good at what I do, I get a little bit more than what I gave and so my riches increase. And Jesus can't be bought because we have nothing to offer him. On the day that we see the Lord face to face, then we'll realize that. We'll see all his glory and we'll say, I've never given him anything. And if we haven't been in friendship with him, then that's a really scary place to be. That's when the, the saints say, the Lord doesn't condemn us. He just says, take what's yours and go wherever you want. Whatever you want, you go there. And we cast ourselves there. But if we've been living in friendship with him, we'll, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see that we've, we've offered him nothing, but at the same time, we'll see the, the goodness of the Lord in a, in a profound way. It, it's like this, if you've ever gone through um, 
you know, like maybe an old box, uh, you know, you're, you're, I know my dad would save all the stuff that, you know, we did when we were kids. And you're kind of like, dad, why'd you save this? Like, it's like, like a, a clay pot that I made when I'm five years old. It's like, this is terrible. It's awful. This is the worst thing ever. Maybe you have the same experience, like some drawing or some, some painting from when you were a kid. Like, mom, why did you save this? It's awful. Oh, but you worked so hard on it. And when you gave it to me, you were so excited. It's like, that's the, that's the gift. You, you did give something, but this clay pot isn't really what you gave. So too for us. We can give God something, but it's not money, it's not stuff, it's not service, it's just our hearts. He just wants our friendship. And that's it. That's it. And so what the apostles are learning, same lesson that we're learning, our relationship with the Lord is not a transactional relationship. It's a relationship of friendship. And I think it's really easy to slide into transaction. It's really easy because we, we, we kind of we grow up this way. It's like, these are, these are mortal sins. Don't do those. These are things that are, are good. Do these. And we can kind of think like, I don't do these and I do these and I get heaven. And heaven is some sort of like arbitrary reward for having done the right things and avoided the wrong things. That's transactional. And we actually got to do a better job when we're teaching our kids about the faith to, to avoid coming across that way. Certainly are, there are things that we need to avoid and there's things that we need to do, but that's incumbent upon any relationship, any friendship. But imagine if your marriage was like that. Well, you do the dishes and I'll sweep the floor and you paint the house and I'll clean the garage and you do this and I'll do that. It's like, well, we're not going to get very far here. But if we're, we're all in this exchange of hearts and lives, okay, now, now we got something. We, we, start, we start getting transactional when we start thinking that way. Okay, well, if I, if, I, if I need something, I say prayers, right? So I say my prayers and God gives me the thing. And if he doesn't give me the thing or if I don't have good feelings when I have the, when I have the say the prayers or if I go to mass and I don't feel like I get anything out of it, then I go and do something else because the transaction wasn't reciprocated. I want a sacrament, so I show up to the church and I say, hey, give me this sacrament and, you know, like, what, what are the things that I have to do to get this sacrament? Well, what we try to do here is say, well, are you walking in friendship with Jesus? That's, that's the only thing that you need to have. But if you're not doing that, if you're not even showing up for, for mass, why do you want another sacrament? What is, what is, that, what is the sacrament? Somebody comes and says, I want baptism for my baby. I'm like, okay. So you want your child to have a relationship with Jesus because that's what the sacrament of baptism is. It's the inauguration of the, of the, of the friendship with the Lord. If you want confirmation, it's no good to walk in off the street not having, having gone to mass or been praying and say, I want confirmation because confirmation is just a deeper participation in friendship with Jesus. When we ask the question, and sometimes we, we've, we've asked this and we struggle with this, like, wait, so you're saying if I commit one mortal sin, then I can't go to heaven? If 
I die and commit one mortal sin, I can't go to heaven? Well, see, that's a transactional way of thinking. If, if we change the words and say, well, a mortal sin is a refusal of the friendship of Jesus. And heaven is perpetual friendship with Jesus. Well, now that it starts to make sense. Wait, so you're saying if I refuse Jesus' friendship, I can't be friends with Jesus for all eternity in heaven? That follows, right? Now, we can talk all day about what it means to commit a mortal sin, but I think that's, that's aside. I don't want us to think transactionally. Because only when we start to have this transformation of heart and mind can we start to see things the way that St. Paul sees things. In that second reading, how he's, he's speaking of, I just want to be with Christ. Remember, he's in prison while he's writing this, by the way. He's in jail. And he's joyful. And he's going to go on in the next couple of weeks and say, just, just give thanks in all circumstances. I've learned, the, I've learned the secret of being happy and no matter where I am, no matter what's going on in my life. So let's, let's pray for that. Let's ask the Lord to, to help us to see that to work in the vineyard, it's not about the work. It's about the friendship. To be co-laborers with the Lord. That's as good as it gets. And then we start to see that. We start to realize that we start living eternal life right now that's why the rich young man couldn't get it what do I have to do to get eternal life well you have to follow me because that's the beginning of eternal life St. Paul says it the most succinctly and the most beautifully and if we could if, if I could get a tattoo this is what I would tattoo on my arm to live is Christ and death is gain if I figured out how to make Christ my whole life, then when I die, I only get more of him. Brothers and sisters, this is the goal. Not transaction, but friendship. Life is Christ. Death is gain.